Good morning from the newsroom of the Financial Times. Today is Wednesday, November 6th, and this is your FT News Briefing. Two Swedish retailers are putting hundreds of millions of euros into venture capital investments. Germany's finance minister offers some hope for a full European banking union, and a new investigation by the FT reveals that the London underground has dangerously high levels of pollution. But first, there has been a development in the impeachment inquiry into the alleged quid pro quo between the White House and Ukraine. The FT's Lauren Feeder explains. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. The congressional committees that are leading the impeachment inquiry have started to release transcripts from some of the closed-door depositions that have been taking place over the last month or so. And on Tuesday, they released a full transcript of the testimony from Gordon Sondland, who's the U.S. ambassador to the EU. Of particular interest, though, wasn't the transcript, but was a four-page additional sworn statement that had been added and actually sent to Adam Schiff, the chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, only on Monday. In that revision, Sondland actually corrected what he had said in his original testimony back on October 17th and said that his memory had been jogged and that he now recalled the details of a conversation that he'd had on September 1st with a top Ukrainian official. So what does Mr. Sondland now say he remembers? So what he described effectively was that he said to this individual whose name is Andrei Yermak, he's a top advisor to the Ukrainian president. He said that, quote, the resumption of U.S. aid would likely not occur until Ukraine provided the public anti-corruption statement that we had been discussing. Democrats in particular have really jumped on this revelation because what they say is that this is this is the clearest evidence yet of that quid pro quo that everyone's been talking about. Two large global retailers are getting creative about how to lessen their reliance on old-fashioned business models. IKEA and H&M are putting hundreds of millions of euros into venture capital investments. They've both started taking minority stakes in smaller companies in recent years, putting money into startups from fintech and recycling to sustainability in food. Inca Group, which owns the majority of IKEA's stores, has invested 200 million euros in 21 companies in the past three years. That money has been put into a robotic furniture maker, a mattress recycling company, and an Indian interior design startup. Meanwhile, H&M has spent more than 52 million euros on stakes in 16 businesses, developing more sustainable ways to make clothes. These investments come as retail is looking for alternatives to traditional businesses. Shoppers are increasingly buying online. Combine that with big e-commerce competitors, including Amazon and Alibaba, and retailers have had to deal with widespread disruption and, in some cases, bankruptcy. For years, the European Central Bank and EU chiefs in Brussels pushed governments to create a full banking union. It's an idea that came out of the response to the sovereign debt crisis in 2012. Officials argued that the oversight was needed to make sure that bankrupt banks can be safely wound down without the need for large taxpayer bailouts, and to make the eurozone more resilient to economic shocks. Throughout this time, Germany has rejected the idea. Taxpayers thought, why should they be the ones put on the hook to bail out shaky banks in other countries? 
But now it seems Germany's finance minister, Olaf Scholz, has offered some hope of a breakthrough. In an opinion piece for the FT, Mr. Scholz writes that the need for a complete banking union is, quote, undeniable, saying Europe's global role will be undermined if the region's financial sector wasn't fully integrated. Mr. Scholz lays out the proposal in his column, which you can read at FT.com. And here's a story you should know more about. If you live in London, you might be one of the nearly 5 million people tapping your Oyster card and hopping on the underground each day. And while you might escape the exhaust from cars when you take the train, what's below the surface is still not exactly fresh air. An FT investigation found that the stuff you're breathing while on the tube is plenty polluted. Data collected by the FT's Camilla Hodson reveals that some lines contained high levels of something called PM2.5, which consists of fine particles of dust, metal, skin, and clothing fibers. If you haven't noticed them, that's because they're about a fraction of the width of a strand of hair. And as Camilla explains, they're causing air pollution on the tube that's as much as 10 times above health guidelines. What we found was that air pollution on the tube is really terrible. The lines that are the deepest and the oldest are the worst. The lines that are have large portions of track that are overground are a lot less bad. And now there's this, actually this great photo and actually a video of you going around monitoring these pollution levels with a it's kind of a device. It, it looks kind of something like out of a, a science experiment. Can you tell me a little bit about how the FT got all of this information? Yeah, sure. So I took these two monitoring devices around on the tube with me over the course of about 10 days. I was quite precise in how I did it. So I always sat in the second carriage of a train. I always did it between the hours of 10 a.m. and 4 p.m., which is off peak times to avoid rush hour because we thought that might impact things a little bit. And then at the end of doing all that data collection, the two sensors, we kind of had a, a, this huge database from these two sensors, hundreds of data points. And our brilliant data journalist, Steve, kind of crunched the numbers. And then we came up with the averages for all the individual lines. And we should point out that in, inhaling these PM 2.5 particles is linked to things such as heart disease, stroke, lung cancer, a bunch of other really bad things. Uh, Camilla, you know, what part of the underground system did you find to be the worst? What we found was that the central line, which runs through the middle of the city and is generally very, very busy, was the worst. The lines that had large portions of track that are outside were a lot, lot better because they're much better ventilated. Some of the lines that have quite bad ventilation are, and are also very deep and quite winding, like the northern line, which runs kind of north to south, and also the Bakerloo line, which is similar, also had pretty bad levels of pollution. It got to about 10 times what you would find on the average roadside in London. So when you spoke to the body that governs the underground network, Transport for London, what did they say about the pollution? What they told us was that across the network, TFL and the tube complies with the UK's health and safety executive guidelines, and they monitor what you can be exposed to in the workplace. Those averages set limits for what someone can be exposed to within an eight-hour period. And it's kind of predicated on the fact that the space is going to be occupied temporarily by people who are relatively fit and healthy. There won't be children there. There won't be really old people there. It's the workforce, basically. But you do point out in your article that for the average Londoner taking the tube for 
one hour a day, which is not unreasonable, basically doubles their exposure to PM 2.5 particles, right? Yeah, it really increases the level that you're exposed to quite drastically. And TFL are aware that there's a problem. They're not kind of shying away from it. They like to say that they are in compliance with the law, of course, because it would be a big problem if they weren't. But they know that there is more to be done and they are trying to do more to clean up the tube. They have these pilots going on at the moment where they're trialing different methods of cleaning and all sorts of different things to try and improve the pollution down there. So, Camilla, is this just an issue in London? I mean, New York by no means seems by any stretch of the imagination to be clean. (laughs) No, it's not a problem that is limited only to London. But having said that, some of the newer subways are a lot less polluted because they've kind of been built with this problem in mind. But other subways like the New York subway in Stockholm, also in Paris, they also have this problem. And it's a problem about old subways, basically, and how ventilated they are. The Paris subway is not as deep as the London Underground, and it's perhaps a little less polluted. But there haven't really been kind of definitive studies done comparing all of the subways in the world. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. From a local business to a global corporation... Partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.